Hello and welcome uh, to Groovecast, uh, the podcast for the rhythm section. I'm Ashley Walker. And I'm Charlie Smith. Yeah, and uh, today we're going to be talking about something uh, that um, has been brought up a couple of times to us when we st- were starting the podcast um, and by our friends over in the States at the Bearded uh, Drums podcast. Um, Charlie's friends, I should say. Yeah, big, mates. Little, little little shout out there to uh, to uh, Stephen and Jarrett, uh, who are uh, fantastic podcasters and far better than us. <laughs> yeah, and got much better beards than us as well, which is yeah. I see you're trying. Yeah, try. Yeah, my razor's broke as well. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, it, and we're going to be talking a bit about um, the industry and primarily mine and Charlie's sort of paths through the industry because we know there are a lot of similarities in what we've uh, gone through and in the routes that we've gone through and also differences and um, if there are any lessons to be learnt there that'll be a bonus and um, even if it's uh, what not to do. This is very um, true and uh, <laughs> and yeah it's it's complete sh- uh, coincidence really that, that we've kind of had such a, a similar way through things and mm. a, similar, a similar entry to the industry but it was it was kind of only when we were first kind of getting to know each other we realized how similar things had been yeah you know, uh up until that point where our wires had crossed yeah um and i know we both sort of started quite similarly in youth orchestras and we're both still um reaping the rewards i suppose of of that and um I know for you, you joined at a sort of similar age as, as I did to your f- first youth orchestra, and I wondered if you wanted to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so in brief, uh, the first uh, thing of that type that I joined with was, was the school band. You know, when I was 11 years old, just moved to secondary school, first thing you do is join the school band. And uh, yeah. ironically, uh, I joined on trumpet because I was there was no uh, there was no drumming. Uh, space free at that particular point so it was I joined on trumpet which I'd been playing I think at that point for two years uh, and was still coming to the terms that the fact that I was terrible at playing trumpet and I was I shouldn't have been allowed to touch one (laughs) Um, but through doing that and joining the school band and then I later about after a year on trumpet in the school band they finally saw sense and let me play drums Um, and uh, (laughs) But through the, the, the trumpet teacher I had then, who was working for Tees Valley Music Service, he recommended that I should join uh, the Tees Valley uh, Junior Wind Band, mm. uh, which, although I was a trumpet student, for better or worse, I ended up joining on drums. And I s- was probably in that band six months or a year before they, they decided it was time for me to, to graduate that junior band and move up to the senior wind band. Um with where you know harder harder tunes you know more elite kind of higher level players so i did that for a little while and then i was basically uh i think the the tees valley big band was starting to look for a, another drummer for for whatever reason i think you know with people moving away at the university or whatever and and so i was introduced uh, to bill watson who I know is a friend of your dad's, and um, I think my granddad had had a conversation with him about, you know, when he was saying he needed a drummer for the the big band, and my name came up, uh, and so Bill came down to one of the 
senior wind band rehearsals, uh, which happened just before the big band rehearsals on the, I think on a Monday evening or whatever. Bill came down, saw me play, had a quick chat, and uh, and I basically got the got the chair. So I ended mm. up graduating within a couple of months of joining the senior wind band. I was leaving it and joining the the, the Tees Valley big band, uh, the Tees Valley youth big band instead. And for me, that was kind of a a, a better place because I was much happier and I, I much preferred playing the the swing stuff and the jazz stuff and the Latin stuff to doing maybe more so what I'd done in the wind bands of the you know uh, bra- uh, brass interpretations for woodwind and brass of Pirates, Pirates of the Caribbean or mm. uh, whatever it may be uh, so it was for me it was it was the better place to be and uh, and I think I was I ended up staying in that band for a, a good five or so years mm. so uh, that was kind of my journey windy as it was to get there so uh, how about you joining uh, the youth band that you ended up in yeah for me it was it was quite early on in me learning to, to play bass guitar because i know obviously with your granddad being a drummer and you'd been playing since you know as as early as you could walk really couldn't you um and for me i think i started playing bass when i was about 11 12 ish and then a year later i auditioned to join the Boston Youth Jazz Orchestra um, which was just a huge step up and I know uh, something we're going to be talking a little quite a bit about uh, in this episode of taking the leaps and the next step in your career and and learning how to play Um, and I to be honest with you I probably wasn't even good enough certainly not on my audition to be in in the orchestra I was very not not very good as a reader um and nervous as anything um but like you say it was i at the time i i I joined the boston youth jazz orchestra and then a couple of the other orchestras that were attached and and groups um like the the pop choir that they had which i absolutely loved doing like a jackson's medley one minute and then something from a musical it was just very eclectic um and then the wind band as well which uh very similarly to you doing arrangements of yeah like crazy train by um ozzy osbourne and which i really enjoyed actually in funky town the next minute and um uh totally different things with by joe which um sort of became more of a performance kind of orchestra and were quite well known locally as as that and putting on a very good show and then and playing electric bass with that and then playing in a wind band playing upright bass to funky town or um yeah it was a uh, totally different experiences and i know um it was similar to you in that um going from just doing one-on-one lessons with a teacher and um perhaps playing some of the same pieces for weeks in a row and learning how to do your re- you learnt your reading and your lessons but you learnt how to play maybe in in the orchestra and how to play in a rhythm section and dynamics and tempo markings you actually realize they actually mattered (laughs) um and certainly for me playing with singers for the first time and uh, in Baijo there were always four or five singers and sometimes they would all sing at one time and realizing that as a bass player you have your place you know it's not all about all about the bass to quote a song um (laughs) 
and um certainly a lot of lessons there that i'm still uh using now and i know it's the same for you in some of the lessons that you still think about now yeah and uh i mean i'm basically i owe doing the the tees valley big band for every single reading job that i've done since because mm. there's there's so much of of learning to read music uh, that you can do in in the classroom if you like in in with a, a one-on-one lesson or with a with a teacher to to get your theory up to that point but it's only when you start looking at some parts to play with a band and start really having to do things quickly that you that for me at least i've really learned how to sight read how to uh how to read into a part so not just seeing it at face value and knowing how to interpret it how to look at what you need to play what you don't need to play what mm. information it's giving you what it might not be um you know and certainly with with brass uh, with big band parts there's quite often figures written above the lines that you've got to be aware of not all of them to play them but some to play some to set up some to uh to work around mm. and it kind of and and like you say uh though it wasn't for me working with a singer you got to learn how to work with soloists and soloists would want you know you've got to kind of keep them right but also adapt to what they're doing in, mm. a, in a way so if you're playing a, a swing uh figure and they do uh come up with play some recurring motif that you could maybe go with it or you can counterpoint it and you kind of it was it was learning not only how to play with a soloist but as you say absolutely learning how to play in a rhythm section which for that big band would have been uh drums piano and bit uh, and bass Mm. you know and sometimes it was upright bass sometimes it was electric bass so you got used to working with both and and as a drummer it was a really really good education uh in learning by doing and making your mistakes in the practice room and making your mistakes then so that you didn't make them later yeah it's and it's a term that um i keep thinking of and i think i may say uh, a few more times during this episode a term that uh, people in other industries often um, they often do this and it's it's kind of different for a musician uh, serving your apprenticeship and as a musician it's not like being an accountant and you know going into an office or whatever it's you almost serve your apprenticeship on without realizing it if you like and I know it would have been for us possibly in those orchestras and in the early gigs that we would have done and the things that you didn't think take uh, appreciate the value of them then but you certainly do now and for me it was learning that you actually don't need to be you know perfect or you don't need to be playing the part perfect all the time and um, even if you're just getting by for the first for the first bit of it and um, certainly sight reading was something that I owe a lot to that orchestra um, the skills that I have now to that orchestra because um, I hadn't done any of that really going into it and I was very fortunate that in the time that I was a member of that orchestra um, sort of the the different stages that they went through and from transitioning from sort of a jazz traditional jazz orchestra to maybe perhaps a little bit more of a show band at times and uh, being more of a performer than a bass well as much performer as a bass player and you know not looking miserable and smiling and even though I was having a great time but I didn't have maybe the confidence that I did when I left and I owe a lot to them for that and then uh, I think it 
towards the end of uh, being in the orchestra, they then gave me the opportunity to be playing upright bass as well, which, again, I owe so much to and learning how to solo on the upright bass, which I had no experience in whatsoever. Um, and I know we both have, again, the similarities. We both played in the Music for Youth um, competitions as well, although I now understand that you didn't play in the competition side, but you were uh, in the performance and, and the show, weren't you? Yeah, so we did. We we were more on the uh, on the the other side of of being just a performing act rather than a uh, a competitor, which was mm. fine with me. Uh, and it was just the, the the way that it was it was worked for us, and and it was great. We had a uh, we I think it was just one year I did it. The band did it. I think most years, but I was tied up sometimes. But the the year I did it, we 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 went down and did it. Uh, played think it was in a marquee or something outside uh birmingham symphony hall which was which was a, a joy to to in of itself having seen that venue uh mm. a few times before and, and on film and all of that kind of thing so it was playing there was um just and just being able to go and see it you know somewhere that you know that you hadn't you'd heard about or seen on television but never been to that was that was kind of a, a nice nice interesting thing and and it was good to go and do and play i think we did the 20 minute or half an hour spot um in the afternoon after the main competition had you know while the judges were deciding their mm. sorting their marks out and all of that and we were just the the kind of the it, it's it, i feel bad saying it but the musical wallpaper if you know what i mean <laughs> um so we were we were there for the you know for people to to stop and look and then have a wander you know while they were wandering around and or just to casually listen to which was which was good and we did i think it was you know the usual mix of a few swings a couple of latins maybe a ballad but um it was good and it was a nice experience and a good day out but i mean for you i think you were much more involved in music for youth in in what you did and maybe you would like to elaborate on uh, on some of the places it took you yeah you actually do remind me now um when you said because uh, i know you played in the marquee outside and i think the first year that i joined by joe we we uh, took part in the competition side a bit but also i think i do remember in the afternoon before we played we played in a sort of marquee thing and we did like a five well a 15 minute set and i, I don't think it was outside symph the the symphony hall i think it was a different um it might have been by the town hall or somewhere because we like we say we took part in a, a kind of different side of it to you um but yeah I, I remember when i first joined the orchestra and uh part of the reason part of sort of helping me realize that i wanted to be a musician was seeing um by joe for the first time uh at the albert hall before i joined they'd got through to that stage of the competition and watching them there and then a year later being able to do it myself with uh with a whole different group of players and um i know you said they're talking um with the symphony hall watching sort of videos and of your favorite players there and um it was the same for me at the royal albert hall and um realizing that i'm stood where paul mccartney played or where you know where mark knopfler we saw Mark Knopfler and thinking, oh, I'm stood right where his bass player was, and um, 
and I think as I know that you've had experiences in your career since having done your theatre shows where you've been playing and realised oh this is where wherever some of your heroes have been and I don't think whatever level of player you get to I don't think you ever lose that um, feeling of like wonder and, and magic and it was it was like that every the, the three times that we were fortunate enough to play at the Albert Hall um, through Music for Youth um, it was the same every time for me and I know for you you've had some wonderful experiences with that as well yeah playing in, in, in venues that you've, you've kind of always looked up to or that you've seen players uh, doing it it's always kind of a special experience it's I mean for me it really hit when I played the the City Hall in Newcastle mm. and uh, I still remember being took as a five or six year old to watch Tony Christie there when my granddad was in his band uh, which was after the whole Amarillo Peter Kay revival thing and and I went and saw saw Tony there and I you know it's one of those things that even though I was so young I've still got a memory of it and then for 15 years later or, or whatever to be stood on that stage with my granddad you know 10 feet away from me it was it was a really nice and really special kind of moment and it, it's it's just the sort of thing that you don't ever expect to feel but then it kind of hits you and and you do not so much uh, sentimental about it but just it's kind of cool you know you think it, it's it's kind of a a nice moment to be to be taking in and uh, mm. yeah and it's definitely something that I wouldn't be uh, taking for granted at all so it's uh, it's a it's a great a great moment and a, a really nice uh, way to do it yeah and uh, I know you just touched there on your granddad obviously we've spoken about our uh, my dad and your granddad being a musician and um, again you can't really talk about our sort of paths as musicians without mentioning the fact that and, and the influence that they had on us and um, I know it's something that we've both talked about quite a lot and uh, what goes with having musical family members and the pressures and also the bonuses of having them um, and I wondered for you sort of what it how you deal with it and, and what you think about um, in regard to that yes yeah, so it's, it's it's always for me it's been thinking about it as it's pressure but in a good way so there's there's there's, there's always when people know that you're related to a a, a a a musician who's known among the industry say uh you have uh i think people have certain expectations of you so they expect yeah. that you're going to be of a, of a certain standard and that you're going to do a job uh you know to a really high standard and you've got to kind of for me i've always just it's been a, uh, it's been something that I've always wanted to try and match as best I can. So it's 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 less of a, less of a, a bad pressure, but more of a uh, a drive to to put the time in in the practice room or to to work on something or work on just general the general things that you need as a musician that mean that when I turn up to those gigs, I can go and do it with confidence and not have to think too too much about about the heritage side of it which which is always there and it's very very prevalent and especially if i'm depping for my granddad you know uh if i'm if i'm going and doing some of his gigs uh as i have done with the theater show it's a it's it's a real pressure because mm. they expect you know the people i'm working with expect a level of quality and they expect things to go 
go well and to for for the for whatever it is to be um for the job to be done to to that standard so i've got to yeah. match match that expectation if i want to to work again and it it, it always comes down to uh reputation which for for musicians is is what a lot of careers are based on is reputation more than anything else as we'll we'll mm. touch on later but um so for me it's it's like when you're a musician your reputation's always on the line when you when you're working yeah but i think for when i'm working especially when i'm deafing to my granddad and it's not only my reputation that's on the line but his as well mm. and that that pressure is is felt a lot more uh than than anything else and mm. i know that you know in the past uh there's you know it's one of those things that some acts or some artists who who you may work with would be um you know can can see things in a in the wrong way and think that you've just been put in for a job because you're related or because you're you you your family or whatever and and i always like the way my granddad's dealt with that and he's in some cases he's not even mentioned the fact of it of it to whoever he's put me as a deaf in for he's just said charlie's going to do the gig hasn't mentioned the fact that i'm related to him at all yeah. cases at the end of the day for the most part they don't need to know you know and and it just takes away that that feeling of doubt in their mind that he's putting someone substandard in just because they're family yeah and and it's always and he's always maintained to me he said he i you know he would never have put me in for a gig that he didn't think i could do well and that, mm. I, that he didn't think that i was capable of and that's always a reassuring thing you know even if i'm worried about a certain thing and I, you know always in the back of my mind i i have that thought that he wouldn't put me in for anything that that would be a step too far or mm. too far out of my comfort zone so i'd be interested to kind of hear how you felt that either in a similar way or or in a slightly different way uh working with or for or at the recommendation of your dad mm. But it's like you said there, I remember you mentioning that before that your granddad has put you in without um, saying that you're a relative or anything. And it's something that my dad says all the time when I've done gigs either with him or for him or whatever, is that he never, because my dad sometimes obviously has to MD, I've done things where he's been the MD and so he's obviously think he doesn't want to have to be thinking about, oh, is Ashley going to be okay on this or whatever, you know, he's got to conduct something or um and he always says like i never think about you as being my son on the gig or i never think oh this is a bit i know there's a hard bar coming up here or whatever i'm just another member of the band and it's not like giving me an extra hand because um because i'm his son and um i know for me uh slightly differently um but going into my dad's swing band and sometimes deputizing there um and um obviously it's different with you with your granddad and you playing the same instrument and whereas with and also with my dad being the leader of the band it can easily be seen as oh the bass player can't do it oh, i'll get my son in that'll be great and um so i was always reminded you know you have to earn your place and you've got to do your practice and come in and not only be as good as the person before or as um you know as everybody else in the band but you've got to be better than that and be ready for anything that i'm going to throw you away and um it's something 
like we say there, those are sort of the pressures that go with it, but they're also the the driving the things that drive you on and um you'd never let it go to your head and you never think about it. And then um you know, once you get past all that, there's just the wonderful thing of playing with your family and something that's very unique, um, and you don't get a lot of and um it's just a wonderful experience then and um I know also there's there's sort of two ways because uh, I know people that have um, parents or family members that are in you know, musicians that have uh, family members that are also in the industry and they don't like the thing of being related to you know a musician or having that thing hanging over them of you know for me being Steve's son or being you know Paul's grandson or Smithy's grandson or um, but it's never been a problem for me and also it's the thing at the lesson of not being too proud or not being too stubborn to take advice and uh help when you need it and um you'd, you'd like to think that you'd never get work directly because of the relation because at the end of the day you have to be good enough and like you say there your granddad would never put you in for anything that he didn't think you could do and it's the same for my dad and as much as even though it's never been the case for us of favoritism it's just been because they think we're the best people to to, to put in and for your granddad you're the best depth that he could put in for it because he knows you're going to do a good job um it would only go so far even if it was favoritism because you turn up at the gig and they'd realize that oh he can't read so we'll make sure he and for me if i've turned up at some the swing band or at a thing a gig with my dad and I couldn't play it wouldn't last very long because they'd have to get somebody else in so yeah um and I guess with your dad it kind of goes back to his dad as well mm. uh with you know in, in the kind of the musical family tree that that, that you come down through yeah and the, the way that your dad's been with you I would imagine be the way that his dad was with with him because uh, your granddad of course was a, a band leader as well yeah and yeah exactly and it's there's a lot of lessons that I do take not only just about being a musician from my dad but being the son of a musician and um yeah for my dad it was always that saying of uh, it's not what you know it's who you know and for my dad being from Middlesbrough and from the northeast like you um there were a lot of connections that he could get because of his dad and because his own dad was known as a band leader they'd know oh you know, if they needed a depth for something, a trumpet player or somebody to be in some band, they'd think, oh, Arnie's son plays the trumpet. And my dad would never have been too proud to to get a gig because of that, because he'd know that he would turn up and, and do the gig and quickly, you, you do these things and quickly you then aren't known as Arnie's son or Steve's son or Paul's grandson. You're just known as another oh, Charlie, musician. another drummer, another bass player and a... And, um, those are certainly lessons that I know we've both, uh, you know, taken and, and, and thought about in our careers. Um, yeah, and I guess uh, something that kind of goes back through all of this, uh, and I think it all goes, for me at least, back to doing the big band stuff and, and, and what, what came after, you know, what came about because of that, was that we learned, even though we were so young in, in those uh, situations, we learn how to be professionals. Yeah, you know, with not only on stage, but how to conduct yourself off stage, how to, you know, how to speak with other musicians and not, you know, not kind of look like you were 
substandard in in that in that you know by having almost having the the head on on your shoulders that you know what you're doing you, yeah you know you know your place and, and where you where you want to be and i think for me i definitely learned that doing the the big band thing that kind of was the first if you like of a semi you know a, a, of a near professional level gig that i was doing mm. and uh you, you had to you know whenever we did things like the, the great north jazz and big band festival that was you know although we didn't realize it at the time that was a huge networking event you know mm. and you would you were always trying to you know meeting with other players or if you just watch their set and and networking kind of only later became as big a thing as it as it kind of has been in our in both of our uh, at least in my uh, life but it was kind of the subconscious networking back then and there's players that i met there that i still uh am in contact with or have ended up working with much further down the line mm. yeah it's like that thing of of being a musician you know the sort of factors that you have to have to be able to be a professional musician and sometimes when the people that you do play with in these youth orchestras the ones that perhaps would like to be musicians but then never you know pursue it or whatever it's like having the mentality as much as the ability and um yeah just they're talking about networking that's certainly things that lessons in networking that we would have got from our parents grandparents of and and back to that thing again as i said i would mention again serving your apprenticeship is um doing those gigs that you perhaps wouldn't like to do or you know you might have a bit of a negative attitude especially being a young person and you might be a bit moody about it or whatever um but it's that back to that thing again of you're not gonna you know that um you know you might do a gig that isn't very you don't think's very good and it's probably not going to lead to anything but you know for a fact if you sat on your sofa that night it definitely isn't going to lead to anything and um, you have to do take the the bad gigs with the good gigs, and certainly doing the orchestras and um, not to go uh, back on ourselves, but um, I know for me, sort of the gigs that I got then because of being in the orchestras, and even though, of course, you're not going to get paid at that age, but it does eventually lead to work later on. And for me, it was getting then recommended by. Uh, the leader of that orchestra to do some of the local school shows in Boston. There are a few schools there that would do school shows. And then it was a totally different set of skills to then be following a band leader all the time. And um, as we both know, in some of these uh, shows and like even the Amdram things, but all the parts like the, the funny time signatures and tempo changes and dynamics, it's a whole different experience and those are the things that i managed to get off the back of that and then they led to other things as well and i know that you obviously got things off of the back of your orchestras as well yeah absolutely um you know it's i got doing the the youth big band ended up getting me uh, deputizing with the uh, a local big band uh that the band leader of the youth big band played in and mm. that that band was uh was a, a band based in Hartlepool called Musicians Unlimited, led by Lisa Stansfield, sax player McDonnelly, who's done many other things besides that. But um, and I ended up stepping on and off for a year for them, 
before I moved away to uh, to London to, to music college but it was that was a good year of 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 doing those gigs and even though they you know it was just a rehearsal it wasn't there was no money in it it was still worthwhile doing for the you know keeping your eye in with the reading side of it and looking at different parts but also uh, being able to meet up with these other musicians who were all you know of that same standard who were doing you know some of them are out gigging on their own or you know uh, with their own little setups that you could end up uh, you know coming to do other gigs with later down the line so mm. there's definitely been players in those big bands that i've ended up working with outside of that maybe in a small jazz ensemble later on or doing a different gig or a doing theater stuff or whatever it may be so mm. it's kind of in in that way it's 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 really paid it's paid its dues and you get your name about a little bit that that you know and people kind of get to know who you are and what you do and if they're after that kind of thing for something, they might give you a call. Mm. And so being being in that right place and being the right person and, and being able to, you know, not go in there and be arrogant or be, uh, you know, just being the right person and, and being good to be around yeah. makes a huge difference, irrespective of how you're playing it quite often, yeah. you know. Uh, people remember the person much more than they do the playing. Mm. Yeah, that's it's being easy to work with, isn't it? And um, I always like to think, as long as I come away from a gig and they think, if nothing else, oh, he was a nice person, or oh, like Ashley, oh, he's nice, or you know, he was, he was all right. Yeah, um, you know, it, it, that makes it, a it, difference. It goes back to that mentality thing again, as well, doesn't it? And and um, yeah, just having the the mentality and make being as easy to work with as possible, even if what you're maybe at times having to work with isn't what you'd prefer but you just get on with it and you do your job and um yeah go not to um so it's sort of to lead on to something that i know we're going to touch on in a little while um but um just there talking about because i know we were in the differences um that perhaps we have between ourselves and our paths is the sort of educational side of it and the systems that we then went on um you know i know you've you obviously went to music college um whereas i didn't take that path but it's um something that i think about quite a lot and not i guess not an anecdote but something i always think about um is that at the time when i joined that orchestra the boston youth jazz orchestra and i at a sim uh, that similar point i left school and left education to be homeschooled and um was often told you know of the opportunities that you'll miss out on and i know that we'll touch on that um in a little bit but for me um leaving school and um the school that i went to would do a showcase every year and they'd usually get a student uh band to play for it which was a wonderful experience um to look almost like backing acts and something that i've now started to do in the professional world so a wonderful experience and um leaving the school and sort of being told that you won't be given those opportunities and then um i think less than a month after leaving school being asked by the head of music if i would come back to be the bass player for the showcase and also that i would get paid because i wasn't a student so it wasn't student experience or anything or a uh, work experience it was they were um 
asking me to go back sort of professionally and I think I opened my first bank account with that or something um so and almost a very nice little segue into sort of um the differences between our own paths and like I say you went to music college and some of the opportunities that you got with that and also um something that we both want to sort of talk about is that music college isn't necessarily the only option anymore as it perhaps would have been for our parents or you know it seemed it was like the done thing then and there are other uh, ways to go about it now aren't there yeah so i mean for me the the whole thing with music college primarily was that it was the it was the way to cement what i was wanting to do as a career mm. and having a degree was always something i could fall back on if i ever decided i wanted to go into a, a you know like say a classroom li- uh, teaching or lecturing job yeah. that was the main reason uh on an educational side the main reason on a life side of it was that it would give me a, uh, the opportunity to to move away from home for a, for a couple of years and in that mm. case i got to, to to do what many many musicians would would dream of and, and i moved to london for, for two and a half to three years um obviously slightly shortened due to pandemic and all of that but i still got the first two years of of my studies pretty much were, were, were relatively unimpacted by what came later but mm-hmm. it was it was a for, for the experience side of it it was the best thing i could have done was to get out of the comforts of home and working with musicians who i knew and who knew me and getting into a totally different world where everyone was new and everyone was kind of out to Im- impress not in necessarily in a playing sense but people who you were on the course with who you wanted to work with or or learn from or whatever you got that and and for the networking side of it music college was great you know you met lots and lots of players you got to meet with some some major players in the industry so i got to uh, have a to watch a master class with ralph roll who of course plays drums with now rogers yeah in chic and that was a really really yeah fascinating time and also meeting a a, a musical director called kojo samuel who uh is uh stormzy's md and does mm. all of the big production shows and things and, and works with lots and lots of of major artists and getting to hear from the, the likes of those, as well as all of the, the, the great tutors that I was able to study with, was, was a real, real benefit of it. The educational side, I didn't really, uh, wasn't as important, if you like, uh, to me. I could do it, and I, I got good marks for what I did, but I was more there for the people than I was necessarily for the, than I, for the course. Although the course was, of course, what I was doing while I was there it mm. was I, I, I used all of what I did on that course as an opportunity to whether it was getting in touch with players or getting to, to study certain ideas with certain people so for me it was like working with a, a jazz drummer called Neil Bullock over the past year or so uh, who was one of my one of my tutors at uh, at the ACM where I went to, uh, in London was was great and I took so much from Neil um, in in how he plays and and just his approach to the drum kit and especially playing brushes which was one of the main things that i really wanted to to use my time with 
a tutor like that to take away and and getting to 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 have all of these tutors at my disposal for for three years was really really key and i know that maybe you know i I know students who maybe didn't take as much from that as they could have done Mm. and i certainly don't regret taking as much as i can from from everyone who was there because that was what i was there to do i wanted to learn as much as possible and get out of uni with not only that uh that piece of paper with my degree on it very expensive piece of paper with my degree on it but also to have not only the connections but also the skills and everything really really tightened up that meant i could go in the industry with with the confidence almost that i can do it on my own and 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 that i can make a career out of it but having said that and i know uh, this is something you're you're going to elaborate on now for us uh I, you know you don't necessarily need to go to music college to be have to get time with really really good tutors yeah um and yeah like you say i mean for me music college you know i can't say too much about it and i don't want to because people can make their own opinions on it as they do already and um i can't talk about experience of being to music college because i haven't done it um i can only speak on what other people have told me about it obviously um but yeah like you say there i think that is the experience of the tutors and everything are the things that are what you'll really you know from what i understand are what are really um have all the, the worth and everything yeah um but you know for me and for people who you know they are worried about they don't necessarily want to go to music college but they're worried about losing out on those things you know those opportunities are out there uh, everywhere and um you just have to keep your eyes open and and keep looking out and 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 listening and for me um one of the best things that i have done um sort of tutor wise and um was a base course with i think it was the pete roth academy um and something that i just out of the blue i can't remember how i saw it um but I think it was advertised on Facebook or somewhere on a social media thing. And um, it was a three-day course um, with Simon Golding, who we we both know, um, and Lawrence Cottle, uh, one of the greats. And I, I will apologise because I forget the name of the other uh, bass player, but he was from a totally different... It was very versatile because you obviously have Lawrence Cottle, who's played on everything and with everyone and just a god um simon golding who's just equally brilliant and he was there doing more of the latin and uh the stuff that he's passionate about which was fantastic and then um the other bass player was from more of a heavy metal sort of rock world and talking about pedals and and sounds and everything which is something that i know relatively little about so it was very worthwhile but what i mean is that those opportunities and the lessons and all that there are they are out there and um you know they they are available to everybody and whether you go to music college or not and um i mean i just know uh, musicians who have been to music college and the thing that they have said to me is that um when i've said that i didn't want to go or wasn't planning on going was that um they they went and then you know did three years at leeds college of music or 
ACM or the Royal Northern and then after three years they were just in the queue with everybody else you know waiting to get gigs which I think is the main is one of the main sort of things that you do need to consider but um, it's it's not something that I would knock I'm not uh, knocking it that definitely comes down to a mentality thing as well Uh, and it goes back to that it's that there's so many people who go to music college uh, and expect that when they leave with a degree, people are just going to start phoning them for gigs, mm-hmm. which of course you and I know isn't the case. And it's one thing that I very much took into my own hands while I was at music college, is that why, just because I'm at music college, does it mean that I'm not able to be a working professional? Yeah. And that's exactly what I did. So within a couple of months of starting music college, I was starting on the islands in uh, in the stream show and I was teaching privately and I was doing other gigs and things outside of uni and that was what meant that when I left I already had a stable career to to just continue on with and mm-hmm. it, it didn't feel like so much of a transition as just everything stopping dead and having nothing to do so it's totally a mentality thing that if if people are leaving music college and expecting gigs just to d- fall into their hands, it's it's very much uh, like a disillusion that that that's the way that the industry works because it it really just isn't. And uh, if you're not willing to put the work in, the the footwork in while you're at uni, you're going to have it all to do when you leave there. And mm. I think that's something that definitely I was lucky that I I, I worked that one out quite quickly. And I knew that there was there was no shortcut, and I think for yourself as well, having not gone to music college, you knew that anyway, and yeah. that you just you just went straight into that with that mindset of learning, you know, serving your apprenticeship still. Because really, as musicians, I think we never stop serving our apprenticeship. Mm. We're always picking new things up or learning from whoever we're working for or whoever we're working with. But you've got to, you know it's probably safe to say that you've learned as much uh, in spending three years working you know in doing three years in a, in a working environment as anyone who's gone and done three years in a music college if not mm. more because you'll have taken more about maybe the business side of it or the, the finances side of it that they just mm. don't seem to teach in a lot of music schools it's not yeah. something that's that's covered as much as it maybe should be yeah and certainly working with artists and backing acts and all that that kind of thing that you can't be taught in a classroom or you know in a hall or whatever you, you know and it and that goes back to us again joining orchestras and taking the steps that you take in a career and starting off in a classroom or in a one-on-one lesson then joining you know your first bands and orchestras learning how to make mistakes and that it can be okay yeah. Uh, and playing with other players and um yeah and, and it's certainly um it's just a, uh something that you know isn't people who uh think that you know you have to do music college there are other options and and you know if you want to do it as well there is keep your eyes out and look out for the courses and and stuff online things and um, yeah and one of the things that i think is has caught both of our attentions uh, of late that I think deserves a mention on this little podcast of ours is hmm. um, is the elite music camps that 
uh, our friend uh, John Thurkle is being put in together with, you know, such such players as Snake Davis and, and Paul Turner. Uh, Paul Turner, of course, and uh, I think the uh, Rob Harris as well, the guitarist. Mm. And for any musician, whether you've been to music college, not music college, whether you're you know been in the game for a while or whatever, they're so worth looking at because you can guarantee that you could go on any of those and still come away with some some massive value for it, no matter how long you've been in the business or how yeah. experienced you are, because it just you know it caters for everyone and and if you haven't checked out uh, elite music camps i highly recommend that that you do because um their their uh, week long masterclasses and workshops are, are are really uh i think the way that the education industry could could move forward and it's giving a musical education in a completely different way to to any any formal uh conservatoire or music college ever could mm yeah even if it's just exchanging stories or experiences all of that is of value isn't it really completely and it's a different it's a different way of 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 progressing through the uh, through the, the business and 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 one which i think is is definitely going to keep keep building as as time goes on mm. well i think we're uh, about at the end of our little convo here um you'll be right so I hope you've uh, we hope you've enjoyed listening or watching on on YouTube, and Charlie, you can tell us where you can tag us if uh, they have if anybody has any questions or all that usual stuff. Yeah, as as always, you're always welcome to get into in touch with us here at Groovecast, and you can find all uh, of the social medias on Facebook and Instagram at Groovecast UK. Yeah, and uh, and make sure as well um, to check out Charlie's website. Um, because you can see updates on us there as well as charlie's own blogs and wonderful things all of that good <laughs> stuff and of course check out ashley walker on spotify to hear all of his uh, uh, all of the tunes off of his forthcoming album <laughs> which will be oh. out at some point soon hey thanks for that pal anytime <laughs> all right well we'll see you next time on groovecast we certainly will. Thank you very much for listening or watching, and we shall see you then. <laughs>